I'm Don Tess, better known as the Don of Beer. And I'm M. Sauter, better known as Pints and Panels. Welcome to the 19th episode of the All About Beer podcast. Every two weeks, we talk with leading experts and take a deep dive into one topic in beer. Visit allaboutbeer.com and follow us on social media at allaboutbeer. Patreon.com slash allaboutbeer is where you can support this show and others like it. This week on the show, we're going to talk about how beer culture and nerd culture intersect. So, M, today is May 4. Do you know what that means? I do know what that means. May 4th is Star Wars Day. Hey, may the 4th be with you, Don. May the 4th be with you. So one of my earliest memories about Star Wars is I saw episode four or New Hope in the basement of our local library. So this is probably like 1988. Uh, I don't remember anything about the movie. For the most part, there's a couple things I do. But I remember I was freezing and I was so cold. I like tucked my shirt over my legs. You know how you do that when you're a kid? (laughs) And I curled up into a little ball and it was like hot level cold. Like I would have done anything to cut open a tauntaun and like crawl under it because it was freezing (laughs) oh that's awesome uh yeah you know i enjoyed the the original trilogy when i was a kid um i think it's i think about this actually sometimes they they almost defined it's funny how three um um, science fiction movies kind of defined my generation and i think it's kind of the beginning of the whole concept of super fandom or nerddom and I just really love hearing people talk about anything that they're passionate about. So I look forward to hearing what our guests have to say about uh, uh, not just Star Wars. You know, obviously, Star Wars is what prompted this episode on May 4th. But we're going to talk about uh, other areas of uh, uh, of nerddom, including um, The Simpsons, including which is the something. Simpsons, which yeah. is our, our that's where you and I are super fans. Yes. So. Yeah. Um, So we'll introduce our guests and get into a conversation. But first, if you would like to help support the All About Beer podcast, reach out to podcast at allaboutbeer.com. All About Beer is back, and we're asking for your support to help provide the independent beer media this rich and colorful industry deserves. Visit our website, allaboutbeer.com, where we're frequently posting new content. And please consider throwing us a few bucks at patreon.com slash allaboutbeer. We have low-cost memberships for individuals and small and large companies alike. Every dollar goes to help produce new articles and podcasts. Estrella Galicia is an independent family-owned brewery in Northwest Spain, founded in 1906. Estrella Galicia Cerveza Especial is a world-class lager, brewed using the finest Spanish malts, locally cultivated Galician hops, and the best brewing practices made out of the -the state-of-the-art facility in Acruña. Recognized around the world for quality and exceptional character, Estrella Galicia is a beer like no other. To learn more about Estrella Galicia, follow them at Estrella Galicia USA on Instagram. Audra Gajunas is the owner of Brewed for Her Ledger LLC, a management consulting firm focused on providing guidance to the craft alcohol community. She is currently serving as Crooked Stave's chief financial officer. Prior to owning her own company, she served as Dogfish Head Craft Brewery's controller from 2009 to 2010 and Mother Earth Brewing's chief financial officer from 2011 to 2014. She has been working exclusively in craft beer for 14 plus years and joined the Brewers Association's Finance Committee in January 2020. A graduate from the Kennan Flagler One MBA program at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, Audra possesses 20 plus years experience in senior leadership roles in craft brewing, manufacturing, services, nonprofits, and startups. She earned her undergraduate degree in accounting and business management. 
double major from Loras College in Dubuque, Iowa in 1997. Jonathan Wakefield is the owner and founder of J. Wakefield Brewing in Miami, Florida, which opened in January 2015. Jonathan started as your average home brewer, down to the homebrew kit present from his wife. At the time, Jonathan had obtained his master's degree in accounting and taken the occasional culinary class, but what started off as a hobby quickly grew into a lifestyle, the lifestyle of a brewmaster. Since then, Jonathan has become a staple in the craft beer community. He has won multiple homebrew competitions, accolades within the professional industry, and has gained worldwide recognition, particularly for his Florida vices, a spin on the classic Berliner Weiss. Welcome to the show, Audra and Jonathan. Good to be here. Thank you very much for having me. Today. We are excited uh, to talk to you about how nerd culture intersects with beer culture. Uh, and I guess beer culture is perhaps a form of nerd culture. Uh, but yes. <laughs> the first thing that we have to do so. is uh, we need to, the both of you, to prove that you are, in fact, uh, uh, worthy uh, nerds, uh, worthy enough to be on this show. So, Audra, how nerdy are you? <laughs> I am an accounting nerd. I'm a math nerd. I'm a fractional CFO for our industry. I get very excited when I can make a balance sheet balance and build out economic uh, models. I'm also a huge cosplayer and Star Wars nerd. So I um, I have a Wookiee suit, uh, head to toe, seven foot two. And then I also cosplay uh, about 15 to 18 different Star Wars characters. Whoa. Wow. Yeah. yeah, it's a lot of fun. So I would say Wait, it's pretty nerdy. <laughs> what is your most, uh, like of all of the, what's the most like, obscure person or like costume you have for cosplay for star wars to like show extra nerdiness i have um a wampalorian that i have built out so it is meshing together a wampa with a mandalorian using the theme colors so i have little horns and i'm carrying a baby wampa instead of grogu so my entire armor is gray blue and white my flight suit is white but I'm incorporating as much of Hoth, the planet Hoth, as I possibly can within my Mandalorian armor. Wow, that's that's so nerdy. I love it. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, Jonathan, if you are truly a nerd, you've this you've been sitting silently, anxious, anxious to tell us how nerdy you are. So over to you. Uh, I'm more probably of a collector nerd. You know what I mean? I run super deep with comic books. Uh, I think my lightsaber collection is now at nine pieces. Um, yeah, my comic book collection runs very deep. I've been collecting since I was about 10 years old. I'm now 45. So, you know, 35 years worth of books. And uh, it's quite a massive book collection. Not only that, but I also attend comic cons and collect more lithographs to hang inside of the tap room that we have. Um, I actually have on my front windows of the tap room. I actually have a copy of Jim Lee's X-Men number one in full layout when it was broken into different panels for different variant covers that they did for the comic book. It is all laid out as it should be in one large panel on the front windows. Um, I also have a emperor's throne room seen on my giant wall with two of the imperial guards the emperor and vader on his left 
And then, of course, I have the cantina scene inside of the tap room. I have Han Solo frozen in carbonite as our large table uh, inside the tap room. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it can kind of go on and on and on, but that's all from my doing and kind of my nerdy background. Right. Oh, that's awesome. Wow. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, these are great guests to talk about uh, nerd culture here, Tom. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, I I think I'm a nerd, and then and then I meet people like Audra and Jonathan. I'm like, wow, I'm. No, uh, Don, you are a, you're a nerd. <laughs> um, <laughs> Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. You're a nerd. Yeah. Um. So why do you think beer culture and nerd culture work together? Um, Audra, do you want to start? Uh, sure. Uh, they work together because I feel that there's like an element of inclusivity to both. Um, the geek culture, nerd culture, you know, it recognizes people. Those of us who didn't fit in with the popular or the cool kids back in the day, I'm Gen X. So I was definitely a nerd. I was a straight A student. I was the class valedictorian in high school. I was the one that the popular kids did not want to hang out with. Um, and so I was kind of like on my own and just ex loving math and science. Like I excelled in both of those areas. I absolutely loved it. And then similarly, craft beer, it rejects the corporate structures. You know, it's full of artists and creatives who are encouraged to brew beer their own way. And it really touts independence. So I think that whole, hey, you know, you don't belong where cultural norms normally are supposed to be. So here's a space where you can be seen, you are seen, you are heard. And I feel that's that whole inclusivity piece is what makes both mesh together so well. Hmm. well you're going to make me cry because uh, <laughs> that was me in high school too. <laughs> um, also, that was also me in high school, but uh, not, not a straight A student at, uh, <laughs> at all. <laughs> uh, the opposite. Jonathan, further thoughts on that? I mean, I would actually absolutely agree with the inclusivity. I was not the straight A student, nor, I mean, I had good grades, but I was also an athlete. I played college football, played basketball, a little bit of everything, but still at the root of everything, I still made my journeys to the comic book shop, you know what I mean, to collect my favorite comics. And I mean, I also went out and sought a master's in accounting, which is not like a super favorable, you know, thing that people want to dive into. But it, it's definitely, for me, it was always a creative thing. Not only was I collecting, but I was drawing my own comic stuff and having wow. creative outlet like that. And then it was also me, what got me into cooking and then what kind of led me into start homebrewing. And it's just that creative side. And being in the creative side, you are welcoming everybody. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's also like, what spawned me to like, you know, when I met uh, Maria, who is my manager now, but she was the first woman down here in South Florida to really want to dive into brewing. And I said, yeah, let's do this. You know what I mean? And she worked her way right up into being our head brewer and now, you know, runs production and, and everyday management stuff. But it's like, it's, it's about that being inclusivity and welcoming all because it's really a shared space. And really, you know, it's open for everybody. I mean, that's what beer is. It's not supposed to be one way or the other kind of shunning out people, but really just welcoming anybody and everybody. And it's, I think it's what's so tied to the geek or nerd side of things because comics, cosplay, all of that. I mean, it's, 
it's for everybody. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You dress up however you want. Yeah. Yeah. Without judgment. Yep. That's cool. And I love how uh, both of you, you know, have your strong accounting backgrounds, which uh, which I think a lot of people equate with not creative. And and then you have this other uh, creative side to you to to, to, uh, both of your lives Mm -hmm. as well. I think that's really cool. Hey, for me, I think it came from my parents. Um, I grew up, my dad was a physician and was excelled very much in science and math. And my mom was an opera singer. She was a soprano. And so she got me into the arts and being on stage and memorizing lyric epic poems, you know, in front of people to get rid of stage fright. But at the same time, got me into theater as well and dance. So I got my dad's brain but I got my mom's love and passion for the art. So I've always been kind of juxtaposed between the two. And that's where I feel beer is also a, a great space that I fit in because my accounting side is balanced with the creative side. Like I'm allowed to go and brew with the brewers and collaborate with them. And there's just so much reward in that. And I would argue uh, beer similarly, like there's a lot of science to it, but there's also a lot yeah. of art yes. to it. So it's uh, kind of that balance as well. Yeah, awesome. very much like cooking, like Jonathan mentioned. Yeah, yeah. That's I mean, awesome. for, for me, that's what it was. I mean, it was just another outlet of creative. For me, it was always making something for other people and seeing their mm-hmm. reaction or their pleasure being derived from what I had made for them. So that is what kind of drove me into this as well. Awesome. Plus, it's just you know creating a new dish or creating a new beer. I mean, there's so much more into it. I mean, it is part art and part science i mean because there is a lot of science of brewing but it's really i mean you are working from a blank canvas into this final product yeah jonathan um, you brewed the first green beer i ever had <laughs> <laughs> i also and, brewed the first like fuchsia or pink beer that everybody had ever seen and it was you really I mean? good and that's the it like it was really, I had it at, <clears throat> I had it at a JBF one year. I think it was, is it Haterade is the green one or is it that? It was Haterade. Haterade is the, the very bright red fruit oh, okay. punch style. And then Troll So Hard is our lemon lime green one. It was that one. And I yep. had it and it yep. was really, really, really good. And people were like looking at me and they're like, how can that be good? And I'm like, just try it. It's delicious. <laughs> It's amazing. It, and I just really liked the like, <clears throat> creativity side of like that. It was like extra nerdy, but extra like it's still beer, yep. you know? Yes. At the root, it's still beer. Um, I really, yeah, I really enjoyed the the nerdiness of it. It's delicious. Yeah. Sorry. All right. I, no, I, no, I'm, I'm, done fan. I'm done fanning about the green. Well, that's the whole point of, cool. of nerd cultures. You get to fan about stuff like Um yeah. So for, for both Audra and Jonathan, you know, obviously your nerddom and passion for Star Wars is a personal thing, but you've allowed it uh, to, you know, leak into your business lives. Uh, do you think that helps your business in any way in terms of getting support for fellow uh, Star Wars fans or or because you're showing your authenticity? Or is this just like, that's who I am and there's no business benefit but it's just who i am so here it is i mean i want to hang out in jonathan's i mean i mean for me I'm, i mean ha- i think it kind of can go either way because i'm it's really about like when people walk in they're like 
you know, all this comic book and Star Wars stuff. And people either embrace it or they just kind of like, oh, that's cool. And then kind of move on. So it, I don't think it's a hindrance, but it definitely calls out to those that associate with that more. Um, but I, I mean, at the same time, I'm sure it can turn people off of how much nerd is in there but that's just me and i'm just going to put on display who i am you know what i mean yeah and it's who i am at the core i'm uh, i'm a nerd you know what i mean so you're gonna you're gonna see it and i have no there's no uh you know shying away from that nor would i you, you don't have any like jock themed breweries uh, coming in trying to threatening to beat you up or anything like that no no i don't <laughs> think so and and you know at the same time i still you know I still work out. I still try to take care of myself. I mean, I still love sports. I mean, we play all the heat games, dolphin games, any, any sports that come across will be played inside the tap room along with us all playing, you know, any Marvel movie or Star Wars movie or show. I mean, that it, it all gets equal play here. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Um, do you think there's certain types of nerds that you see more in beer culture, like comic book nerds or video game nerds or Star Wars nerds, bourbon nerds, food nerds? Audra, go ahead. Um, I see a lot of show culture for sure. So the Game of Thrones, you know, is oh. a big one. Or Lord of the Rings is another one. And like popular it's Stranger Things. We had... Um, here in Asheville, North Carolina, we have a brewery called Dissolver, and their Halloween yep. party was Thrones, Rings, and Stranger Things. And so you could come as your favorite character from any one of those or make a mashup of them. And it was wildly popular. And it was the same night that Billy Strings was playing at the Civic Center. So everybody was pre-gaming, dressed up as one of their characters. Um, before the Billy Strings concert, and they all walked out, you know, for the concert. I just stayed behind. I was one of the Game of Thrones mashup characters. <laughs> I'm more, yeah, I was more of like a Viking type of character anyway to begin with. But um, I, that's what that's what I see happening. Jonathan, nice. I mean, I don't know. I mean, for me, like I see some of the guys that have worked here for me and I think in, it it's really a, it could be a bit of everything you know guys you know like comic books and they like Star Wars and and it carries on they like science they like math you know they it, it can cross all kind of boundaries really I mean and it's still at the heart you're still brewing you know what I mean but in the background hey you're watching the new episode of Mandalorian or what comic book did you just pick up from the comic shop or Hey, let's try this, you know, new yeast strain, you know, better flocculation. I mean, it just kind of crosses all realms, you know what I mean? So we see a little bit of everything that comes in here. Yeah. How and does, uh, yeah, how does nostalgia like play a role in any kind of creation? Because actually, for uh, Jonathan, you do a, like, I was looking at your beer list and it's, I'm, I'm an 80s kid. I was born in 1983. And so <laughs> yeah. I, your, your beer list is like if my childhood created beers. Um, I, I, yeah, I mean, your childhood I, I, as like a because there's like an in sync one, and then there's a oh, you have yes. Power Ranger themed beers. You do yeah. dodgeball theme. Like there's just you yeah. lean really really hard into although dodgeball is like odds, but anyway, you know what I mean. Like it's 
yeah. you lean really hard into, I'm assuming, like, things that you loved from your childhood. Is that, like, a source of inspiration? Yeah, I would say, I mean, from day one, I've always said it that, you know, we are very much heavily influenced by pop culture. Music, uh, movies, shows, everything probably from the 80s and 90s. And I think it resonates really well with the consumer base that we have. Um, you know, I was, I grew up through the eighties and through the nineties. And so I like to bring back things like we have a, you know, a beer called like big trouble in little Winwood, which is a reference to big trouble in little China, you know, which is one of my favorite movies. Um, we've done star Wars theme, comic book theme. I mean, really, but a lot of it is based out of like that eighties and nineties window, which I think had probably some of the greatest, pop culture you know references obviously not forgetting like mandalorian all like all the new marvel movies but like to me obviously since i grew up in that era and a lot of people that work for me kind of grew up through that era it really hits home for a lot of people here yeah there's definitely an element of nostalgia because it i was born in 1976 i'm 46 and so definitely straight up gen x and um Zool in Knoxville is another brewery that I visit often. Yes, it has got. I like so how many... you both know which which are the nerd <laughs> brewers. But anyways, yeah. sorry to interrupt, Audrey. Yeah, well, we hang out. And like I said, there's this element of nostalgia. It harkens us back to these times when life was like a lot simpler. We were carefree, playing yep. outside, coming in when it was dark. Parents weren't worried about us. It was a bar. Like a, we were apart from all these everyday stresses. And social media, social media didn't exist. And so there was nope. like this, this purity, this authenticity about it that yep. when we can tap back into that part of our brains, that's where we want to go. And so I feel that's yep. big, yep. a big driver for those of us, especially in, in our 40s and 50s. Yep. What is that brewery in Knox? Wait, how do they, what do they do for nostalgia? Zool? Yeah. <laughs> Zool, Zool is based off of Ghostbusters. Oh, yeah. got it, got it. Oh my yeah. gosh, I should know that. My, my imagine, <laughs> oh, here's, here's something I probably shouldn't tell anyone. My imaginary friend, when I was a child, was named Peter Venkman after Peter Venkman <laughs> from the Ghostbusters. And I used to nice. talk to him before I'd go to bed every night. And that's a little too much information. Okay, yeah, wow. Well, we're going to hold that against it. you for a yeah, while. That's totally fine. <laughs> I had a special phone I called him on. Like, oh, I loved loved the ghostbusters as a kid oh my god um, um but yeah can i reverse anyway. can i reverse m's uh question so you know you uh all revealed approximately how old you are and everything um but of course craft beer uh, has a lot of younger um uh participants as well millennials or whatever um is there ever a risk of either alienating them because they don't get the ghostbuster references uh or or is it just like if you're a nerd, you get into it and everybody loves it? I I honestly think, you know, like it's obviously nostalgia for us. And actually those beers with that nostalgia seem to sell better. You know what I mean? It, and I mean, there is some nostalgia, some pop culture references to here and now in this time period. But really, I think the millennials and stuff, if they're into it, they know all the old stuff. Like, you know, I mean, my kids have kind of been raised on that. Like, you know, I, even my cousins that are in their mid twenties, they know all the old stuff, but that wasn't by my doing. I mean, that was by their parents. 
And, you know, if they're into nerdy things, they have deep dived into a lot of the older stuff where a lot of the newer stuff has been built off of. Right. And so in fact, I think with the they, internet, it's easier for them to do that. Than it oh, yeah. Be. Well, right. You know, like like Audra was saying, like back in, you know, we didn't have that. Like I didn't have a phone. You know, I didn't, we didn't have internet. I mean, you would go to the movie theater or the comic book shop or the library or, you know, bookstores. And, and that's kind of where you found your basis from. But now it's like you can get everything at your fingertips. Yeah. Any John, knowledge every, you want. Yeah. Everything that's old is new again. I mean, look how popular Kate Bush is. You know, like all well, these things right. that we grew up in. <laughs> yeah. grew up I mean, with. If, if, if you think about it, that song, like, I mean, I kind of remember that song, but not so well. Like, I don't think it was that big of a chart buster back in the day, but all of a sudden it goes on the TV show that was supposed to be set in the 80s. And all of a sudden that song's like a number one hit. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's on the I mean, radio they are the bringing time, everything yeah. back. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I went, I was at Target today and every 18 year old girl looks like Cher from Clueless. Like it's every oh, kid dressing like it's 1994 again because everything old is new again. It's very similar to beer where you watch like right. different trends. Like everyone's brewing dark miles now and you're like, well, okay, right. cool. <laughs> think about it. I think we've kind of, I mean, are the super heavy smoothie sours and like the super adjuncted stouts still kind of around? Yeah, but I think we've started to turn the cycle back, you know, like the clock back and people want, to drink beer that is beer you know what i mean and it's bringing back these kind of styles that kind of died off like you said like a dark mild and so many i mean loggers are all, all all the hit like you know i'm selling you know dark check loggers you know what i mean that five years ago nobody wanted that yeah yeah um, i'm costing out more rice loggers for the different breweries that i work with and i have in a long period of time oh really <laughs> yep yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, Audra, you know, Jonathan, obviously, he has a very consumer facing uh, uh, yeah. business. Audra, you're more on the management consulting side. Is, yeah. uh, is there a way for you to express your nerddom to your clients? Uh, do they like <laughs> that? Do they not appreciate it when they when you send their send a report and it has a, you know, I don't know, Luke Skywalker on the front? <laughs> <right>? <laughs> Well, I like I like teaching um, with elements. So I think I think back at the first time that I dressed up for I was teaching a financials workshop through Brio magazine. And it was back, I think, in 2017 or 18 in Portland. And it fell over Halloween. And I dressed up as Rainbow Bright and I taught the entire oh, yes. hour financial <laughs> workshop as Rainbow Bright. And um, then last year at the Craft Brewers Conference, because May the 4th fell, uh, during the conference, I walked around the trade show floor as a Twi'lek, and I just now proposed my new talk. Um, I'm going to dress up as a Mandalorian as I teach it, but it is forging financials from Beskar. And <laughs> I feel nice. that, yeah, I feel like incorporating those sort of elements, like I'm still teaching what can be seen as very complex topics. I'm trying to break it down in a very approachable way, but by adding the pop culture, the the geek culture to it, the Star Wars aspect to it, it makes people feel more at ease. Like they're coming in, and yeah. we're going to talk about turnarounds and what your you know signs of financial distress are going to look like, and that can be a very stressful, anxiety fueled topic. But yeah. if you're you know person that is teaching it to you dressed as a Mandalorian or it can ele like bring some elements of geek culture into it, it 
feels less harsh. It feels more approachable. And, you know, I'm at your level. I'm not going to be some Heidi, you know, CPA firm that's dressed in a suit that is talking down to you. I'm at your level. Oh, I'm a homebrewer too. I'm going to, you I know, love that. I'm, yeah, it puts, it puts me on the same level as a lot of my brewery partners and they then don't fear asking me any question for the fear of being judged or perceived as not knowledgeable in these areas. You know, they, they open up to me a lot more that way. So it's, it's who I am, but I also want them to see that dimension of me and see like, I'm not just an accountant. I am a geek and I really care about you and your business and I care about our industry. So meshing them both together has been really helpful. Everybody's been really like welcoming and receptive, at least to my face. <laughs> it's, um, it's I would be excited. I, I, I mean, I'd be excited instead of going to us into a stuffy conference, you know what I mean? There's some lightheartedness <laughs> to it. So I think it would take away some of that stress. You know what I mean? Yeah, because a lot of topics, I, I deal with a lot of stress. And this, especially this yep, year, yep. I'm working with a lot of turnarounds and financially distressed breweries. And I'm trying oh, to yeah. take that oh, yeah. off of their minds as mm -hmm. much as possible. And so incorporating some geek culture into it has been really helpful. When you them. teach I'm about, uh, when you talk about turnarounds, do you play Bonnie Tyler? Mandalorian side this year. Okay. I'm really, yes. I'm going to push forth with that one. Um, and it'll just be how I, how my slides look and how my presentation looks. The material will be very That's serious, but I'm going to try to be more approachable from that per, like perspective because I don't want it to appear so stark. Yeah. 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 Um, nerd nerd stuff's a really great way to talk. I I I do a HR uh like a PDF. That actually you can download for free on my website about like best practices so like don't be a jerk and i there's a i always include simpsons references because don and i are huge simpsons nerd like i at my wedding cake was though to a whale of a wife cake when i got married <laughs> which is a <laughs> deep cut thing but uh i mean yeah it, it makes things that are stressful like yeah things are really expensive right now but you know, you come at it in a lighthearted way and it shows it shows you care and it shows that you've got other things going on besides, you know, just thinking about beer and business all the time. Right. I and actually think it's an yeah. effective teaching tool because it makes it more memorable, too. But yep. Yep. but I'm not a teacher. So what the hell do I know? Um, uh, Jonathan, uh, uh, you know, obviously you talked about your the mural and the brewery and the, and the um, uh, uh, Han Solo uh, table. Do you do anything else to... Uh, embrace nerds into your brewery like do you have star wars events on the tap room every may 4th or oh on, yes uh, new yeah. season mandalorian yeah. new season release day or whatever so actually we 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 did we had uh wednesday night watchings for the season of the, in the new season of the mandalorian um you know we do an annual may the 4th event uh we will actually have someone here like i uh cosplaying but like a professional cosplay as Chewbacca. We'll also have um, a fire dancer with flaming lightsabers that shall be here. Uh, we start at noon, which obviously you can't get all the movies in because they're all so long, but you know, we start with showing the movies in a desired fashion 
of all nine. We typically don't really get to all nine of them, but typically, you know, I, I, I run them in the order that I believe that people want to see them. <laughs> so, and it's your uh, place. We so do you that. Do whatever you want. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I kind of forget about episode one because that was kind of, you know, no one really wants to see Jar Jar Binks anymore. Um, <laughs> we kind of jumped to two, three, Rogue One, then four, five, six, you know, and run in that pattern. But then we also have actually, you know, we do special beers. We also do special treatments for that day. We kind of fill up the lines with everything themed Star Wars for that day. I mean, in the past, we've had like troops of, lightsaber battles like these you know these people in these troops these acting troops come out and would it reenact like lightsaber battles mm -hmm. um i think they have disbanded since like the pandemic and stuff but i think they're trying to get back together but i will be bringing my personal collection so that the bar staff can hold and wield their own lightsaber if they choose so depending on what side they you know the dark or the light <laughs> they want to be on <laughs> but yeah we you know we run pretty heavy with that. Um, and we have really embraced that and it's nothing that we shy away from because that's just who we are. Yeah. That I love it. It's like so much fun. Like yeah. really oh, how is. many, how it many is. star Wars themed beers have you produced at the brewery? Oh my gosh. I was like, yeah, I was about to say, like, do you even know? <laughs> I, I, I mean, I think our portfolio nowadays, you know, nine years in, I think we've made in upwards of like 600 different beers. Um, even if they were one keg treatments, I mean, I think we've done an excess of 600. And I would say, since you can't really call it certain names and of course. more in fact, yes. like having like the characters on a can or a, a, a bottle label, like, but like we riffed on that. And I would probably say there's probably out of the beers that we've made, probably 40% of them. You know what I mean? Have been Star Wars referenced. Oh, it's a lot. <laughs> so yeah, oh, it is. Yeah, how do you? How do, yeah, that was a good. How do you tiptoe? You know, making these beers without Lucas calling you our Disney, I guess. Because yeah, and you don't want to piss off the mouse. Uh, well, because like you up it's and saying, like, like hey. I mean, you know, we did a blue raspberry sour that we called cooler than a Tauntaun's toenails. Um, with just the bottom part of the foot of a tauntaun on the label. So mm -hmm. not the full animal, yeah. you know, and really kind of, you, it's an artistic representation. As long as we're not stealing like the exact name and the exact character, I mean, it's just an artistic representation. Yeah. Like if like, I were to I, put yeah. like an Imperial Trooper on there and call it like Stormtrooper Stout, like I think we'd be, Oh, yeah, you, yeah. Have you heard of other breweries maybe overstepping the line and getting a cease and desist from? There is a local brewery near my house. Yes. That, oh, is that right? Yeah, yes. that made a beer. They put a must, uh, Groucho Marx mustache on the Stormtrooper. It's called Stout Trooper, and they yes. got they got a uh, they got a cease and desist, yep. and so they changed it. Um, yeah. Great beer. Oh, no, they if if you if you take like the actual like the more popular characters stormtroopers vader uh you know the emperor luke han you know any ray finn if you take any of that and put that directly on a label and use the name in reference like you you're done mm -hmm. yeah they're Here's coming a question because uh, everybody colloquially refers to him as as uh, baby yoda but he's actually 
Grogu. Grogu. Or, so or Den Grogu. Den Grogu. Yeah, Den, yeah, Den Grogu for so, spoiler alert. So there is no actual oh, baby Yoda. So could you use that name in a probably not? I, you probably Yoda's right because everybody referenced them. I think that would be I mean over the line. Right. Yeah. We actually did a beer called The Child. You know, and I assume that's a reference to Jesus Christ. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> symbolism well, and symbolism, but like it was really it was a green label with a ghosted image of a head on it of Grogu. You know what I mean? And it was just the child. So like, but we only did like a hundred bottles of it, so it didn't really like mass population. Like if it was something that hit nationwide, it probably would have got rang up. You know what I mean? Yeah um jonathan you've talked about what you're going to do this uh may 4th and what you've done in other uh, past may 4ths audra what are your plans for uh this upcoming may 4th and you can also talk about other things you've done in the past may 4ths sure um so let's see this past weekend i trooped as princess leia the og senatorial dress gown leia um up in limestone tennessee we to raise um, funds for deaf children. I do troop with the 501st and the Rebel Legion whenever possible. And those are the official costumers of Star Wars. They're not associated with Lucasfilm, but we try to make as representative like of costumes that are as screen accurate as possible. So we get involved in a lot of fundraisers for different events and the City of Johnson City in Tennessee, just about an hour and a half away from me. They're putting on a May the 4th, a 4K race. And the entire downtown also has a sip and shop a weekend going on or evening going on as well. And the, basically all of downtown Johnson City is going to turn into uh, a Star Wars galaxy. So I'll probably be dressed as Ahsoka Tano um, or Ayla Sakura. I'm not sure yet, but likely... Um, Ahsoka, Siege Ahsoka, uh, Clone Wars Season 7. And the other option is, let's say it's raining or the weather isn't great. Um, the Whale, which is a beer bar here in Asheville, they are playing Return of the Jedi in honor of its 40th anniversary. They're going to do Star Wars trivia. And we're doing a space party there. So that would be my second option of attending that, um, that event. The Whale also sponsors and holds Swan's Day and a lot of other mm. um, beer events. They're a pretty prominent beer bar here in the Southeast. So nice. you um, ever, that's going to be the option too. <laughs> do you ever do like a um, costume changes midday or anything like that? Usually not because I have to deal with a lot of airbrush paint and body paint. And so oh. I'm kind of stuck in that oh. character unless I would be, you know, more of a human type of character. So like a Leia or a Rey is easy to dress into some other humanoid character. But if we're going from Twi'lek to Wookiee or vice versa, there's a lot that we'd have to like clean up and change. And um, the turnaround time, you know, most of these events are like two and a half hours or so. And on the fourth, I, I'm doing a radio show here in Asheville in the morning at 7, 7 a.m., I will go as Sith Leia for it because my guest partner, she's going to be the light side Leia and I'm going to be the exact same dress and everything except black and I'm going to have Sith contacts and I'm going to wield um, Darth Vader's saber. 
So it'll be, we'll be mirror images of each other for this radio show. But then that's 7, 7.30 in the morning. Then I have to work, you know, that whole what? accounting thing. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a, it's a national, it's a national holiday. holiday. <laughs> yeah. No yeah, work I, on the 4th. No. <laughs> yeah. It's not, and, and sorry, it's I not wish. a national holiday. It's an intergalactic holiday. Mm. Exactly. I, I already told my Colorado brewery partner that I work with on a weekly basis. Our leadership team meetings are every Thursday. I said, I'm going to show up as a Star Wars character. Like, I'm going to come on screen. I don't know which one it's going to be yet, but I will definitely be in costume because once we finish our call and I have one other call, like, I'm either heading up to Johnson City or I'm getting ready for the events here all afternoon in Nashville. So, <laughs> TBD. Nice. I think, uh, Audra, I think it sounds like you need to hire uh, an entourage of assistants so you can do costume changes midday. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to have a handler. <laughs> but, I, I do. Um, oh, go ahead. My Audrey. boyfriend is uh, my my partner right now. He is uh, on a motorcycle trip all the way to the West Coast. I'm going to meet him in Portland, Oregon on May 12th for our eight year anniversary. But then he's going to continue on to Canada. And I'm going to fly back because I have that whole work thing. So uh, he is normally a, a handler, a volunteer handler. <laughs> So to speak, he's gone now. So it's just me. <laughs> wow, he doesn't sound like he's a very good handler. If he leaves you, uh, oh, dry on his own adventures. Day four. Come on. Yeah. Um, sorry for being mean there. Um, I want to uh, thank Audra and Jonathan for uh, embracing nerd culture and making it yes. okay to be a nerd. Uh, oh, absolutely. Certainly, I when have, I was I have, a child. Uh, yeah. I was nerds just gonna say bad. when I was a child, nerd, you know, nerddom was not cool. We were the ones that got uh, teased by the jocks and everything. So uh, <laughs> thank you for putting it out there. And it's because of hard work, like uh, um, uh, by people like you, that Audra. Now today, you can go on a Zoom call and warn people that you will be dressed up, and that's okay because people get it, and it's fine now. Yep. And right. uh, so that's thank fun. you for that. I have one last question. Uh, sure. Each for each of you, uh, favorite Star Wars movie and why? <laughs> That's a good question, Em. Go ahead, Audra. Uh, well, I'm still going with A New Hope. It's the original. It is what got me to fall in love with Star Wars altogether. It fast, Darth Vader fascinated me. It's why I love pretty much every James Earl Jones movie. This is voice. Yes. Oh, amazing. They're just. <laughs> There's so many elements of my childhood mixed in there. I love the whole trilogy. Um, I love Planet Hoth. I love Endor. You know, there are elements to each one of those I absolutely adore too. But the OG A New Hope is where it all began. Jonathan? For me, uh, I don't know. I guess because I was born like in 78. So like the one that resonates most with me would probably be uh, Turn of the Jedi and followed strong second by you know empire strikes back but for me uh return of the jedi was you know that great ending to that trilogy and you're introduced to so many like i mean you get the established characters you know, we get han back you know and leia and chewie and lando and then you get the ewoks and the battle on endor i mean it's just to me it's just like one of the best movies overall and it's like they just re-released it in the movie theaters for the anniversary so it's like 
I'm definitely going to see it before it gets out of theaters. But for me, that movie itself is the one that probably resonates the most with me. I think it's amazing that um, M actually, I'm, I want to ask, I want you to answer that question. Oh, um, I... well, I, I think I, th I agree with Audra. I think it's a new hope because that's the first, I saw that for the first time, I think I was five. So this is like 1988 um and just seeing like when the when the when the imperial ship comes onto this and it's just like you just like nothing you've ever seen before and you're five or six and you're like holy crap um and then, like there's just it's such a it's just so well like it's tight it's great and then it introduces you to all the characters that you all care about and it's it's my and i remember Borrowing it from my best friend in on VHS, VHS. Yes. <laughs> and watching yes. it and being like this. And I remember when they re-released them in the late nineties and they like, you know, made the CGI better. Um, yeah. And they like tweaked they it. They added and stuff too. Yeah. 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 And it was just so like, I remember going and being like, this is so cool. You know, like it was, it was forever. Star Wars is like beer. It's for everyone. You know, everyone like, yeah. And when you meet a... people that have never seen, I have a friend who's never seen it, and I'm like, "Are you yeah. a human?" <laughs> oh no, I hey, listen. I get that a lot. Like you know, people like you know coming to the brewery and they be like, oh, "I have to admit, I've never seen Star Wars," and I kind of look at them like, uh, "Okay, what? Like, <laughs> what are you missing here?" <laughs> you know what I mean? You're but, missing I mean, being a human. That's the like right, it's, and it's, it's part of humanity. I don't know how you. I don't know even know how that's possible. Like it, it's one thing to not enjoy it. It's one thing to not be a fan of it, but to have never actually but seen it, never seen it. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Anyways, well, I, I mean, because it, it's everywhere now. Yeah. It's everywhere. Um, and and I, go ahead, John. Yeah. I mean, to me being a child of the eighties, I mean, that original trilogy has withstood the test of time. I mean, there's a lot of eighties movies that have not, you know what I mean? That I was a fan of back then. Like you watch them now and you're like, Oh boy, you know what yeah. I mean? But like, <laughs> you're like, you know, star Wars has withstood the test of time and it's just decade after decade. It still can resonate with you. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and this is actually what I wanted to observe that, uh, you know, the three of you, when you named your favorite film, and if I've ever had that conversation with anybody else, everybody will name one of the original three. And it's a real yes. testament to how um, culture shaking and earth shattering those three movies were. Because Don, Don, what about you? After. You've got to answer it now. Uh, I don't know. You, you know me with beers. I can't pick a favorite. I can't. Right, uh, I will fine. say, I will say a new hope. I'll say a new hope. Okay. I also like how. When you go back and watch them, they already laid the groundwork for some of the future things, which they wouldn't have yeah. known at the time that they were going to make the sequels, right? So right. I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, we uh, need to wrap this up. I do want to say, because, uh, uh, you know, you were both uh, flexing your nerd muscles. Uh, I want to flex my nerd muscle here and say, I actually once ate uh, Wookiee steak, but it was chewy. Oh. <laughs> So, wow. uh, ah, Don, Don, Don. <laughs> um, Audra, how can people follow you, social media, etc.? Um, I'm at Audra Gajunas, Audra underscore Gajunas on Instagram. I'm on Facebook as well. I am searchable. My original contact information for socials got all hacked while I was teaching in Pennsylvania last year. So I had to start brand new accounts again. So I... <laughs> Yeah, I'm pretty easy to find. If you say, Aud like, Google Audra and beer together, 
I'm always going to be on the first page. There's not many Audras in beer. <laughs> okay. Uh, Jonathan? Uh, I'm just at JW Brewing. Um, in on multiple platforms, or I mean, if you follow the brewery, it's Jay Wakefield Beer, or yeah, I mean, our website just jaywakefieldbrewing.com. Awesome. So it's uh, yeah, not too hard. Great, awesome. Oh, yeah, Thank I you. Have a, I do have a business website, brewedforherledger.com. I forgot all about that because I got so involved in the geekiness. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Awesome. That's great. Yeah, promote that website. Yes. <laughs> do not forget that. Yes. Um, well, so I wanted to uh, thank you for your time, uh, Audra and Jonathan. This this has been fabulous. So uh, thank you. And uh, may the fourth be with you. Yes. Thank you. Have a good one, guys. And also with you. See you at CBC <laughs> in Nashville. Cheers. Yep. Cheers. Cheers. Estrella Galicia is an independent family-owned brewery in Northwest Spain, founded in 1906. Estrella Galicia Cerveza Especial is a world-class lager, brewed using the finest Spanish malts, locally cultivated Galician hops, and the best brewing practices made out of the state-of-the-art facility in Acruña. Recognized around the world for quality and exceptional character, Estrella Galicia is a beer like no other. To learn more about Estrella Galicia, follow them at Estrella Galicia USA on Instagram. All About Beer is back, and we're asking for your support to help provide the independent beer media this rich and colorful industry deserves. Visit our website, allaboutbeer.com, where we're frequently posting new content. And please consider throwing us a few bucks at patreon.com slash allaboutbeer. We have low-cost memberships for individuals and small and large companies alike. Every dollar goes to help produce new articles and podcasts. Jeff Cialetti's tenure in liquid literacy has exposed him to some of the best libations the world has to offer and given him access to the producers and purveyors of such fine refreshments. His writing combines his love of drink with a passion for travel, and one usually involves the other. Jeff is editor-in-chief of Craft Spirits Magazine, a publication of the American Craft Spirits Association. Previously, Jeff served as editor-in-chief of Beverage World Magazine, and he's also the author of six beverage alcohol-themed books, including Drink Like a Geek, Sakepedia, The Drinkable Globe, The Year of Drinking Adventurously, Beer FAQ, and his latest, Imbibing for Introverts. Jeff is also a certified international Kiki Sake Shi from the Sake School America and holds a level two award in spirits from the Wine and Spirit Education Trust. Welcome to the show, Jeff. Oh, thank you for having me, Don and M. Uh, so this is an episode about uh, geekdom or nerddom. And so the first thing we have to do is prove your bona fides. So tell us how nerdy you are. Um, Let me see how nerdy I am. I... Like I flew to London on the 50th anniversary of Doctor Who just because <laughs> I said I wanted to go to London on the 50th anniversary of Doctor Who where it all started. That's pretty nerdy. Um, That's pretty nerdy. I also, and speaking of Doctor Who, I just, I flew to LA back in February just so I could get my picture taken with Jodie Whittaker at a convention. Oh, oh wow. the, the, I know people who went from Ireland. Okay, that. so they're not. Uh, I'm not as nerdy yeah. as they are. Then, but, well, you yeah, but yeah. you went the other way, so I feel yeah. yeah okay, but you're also like a Star Wars fan, and oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Star Wars. Um, I've made like documentaries about Star Wars fandom. I made a documentary about, about Doctor Who fandom, for that matter. Um, but yeah, I've always kind of been in this geeky world. Uh, it sort of predated my my interest in booze, and I got kind of really heavy in doesn't sound right I got heavy into booze i mean i got more into <laughs> beverage alcohol enthusiast that i am i became that 
um, you know, after sort of my geekdom and then finally they ultimately just kind of started converging. I started moving back towards the geeky side of things and I started to really recognize there's not a lot of difference in, you know, beer geekery and geek mm. geekery. It's just the, the passions there, you know, the same people who can kind of rattle off the most, uh, you know, arcane details and that kind of stuff. So, well, so you've actually anticipated one of my questions and now we're going to go out of sequence. You screwed up my planning, Jeff. Damn, but, sorry. Uh, what is it that brings nerds together? Not just within, like not just Star Wars nerds, but across subcultures as well. Because very often, you know, Star Wars nerds or Doctor Who nerds are beer nerds, are music nerds, et cetera, et cetera. I feel like we just have this gene that... um call it a passion gene if that makes sense yep, i don't know yep. i can't think of a better term for it but we just i guess it's just sort of a motivation to never kind of be half-ass about anything you just kind of throw yourself into something and it sort of carries over i mean it's like i i, I kind of i don't even think like i have a lot of different interests but i don't think you could ever really say I have a moderate interest in anything. It's more like I'm all in or I just or completely out. lose interest. Yeah, yeah. I'm not into it at all. It's like there, there doesn't seem to be any middle ground. And I'm speaking on my own experience. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people feel the same way, but it's just sort of like if I'm into something, I, I kind of, I, I just kind of go head first into it. Like for instance, you know, music, you brought up music, um, I, you know, high school for me, high school, college, you know, I was really super, super into music. Um, and it was like my number one interest. And then, you know, I had other interests that eventually kind of eclipsed it. Um, you know, in my 30s and 40s, it was beverages mostly. And then, you know, four years ago, I, I, I just started getting into vinyl um and like now i am back to that sort of crazy passionate 17 year old who just has to go to all the shows gets fomo if he doesn't get tickets to a concert you know i just have to buy everything on vinyl now and um so it's like i didn't do this half ass it's like you know i think 2019 was the year i got my turntable i hadn't had a turntable in 30 years and um and it was like, well, maybe I'm just going to focus on certain genres that kind of lend themselves to, um, you know, to, to vinyl, like something that might, you know, things maybe of an era when, you know, they sounded better on vinyl or they're from the vinyl era. It's like, nope, mm -hmm. I got to the point now where it just I buy everything on vinyl. Uh, um, I mean, I still get it on streaming, too, because it's obviously more convenient. I'm not, I'm yeah, certainly yeah, not you against yeah, you don't have a vinyl like turntable in your car <laughs> yet. Well, yeah, well, exactly. That's yet. why. Yeah. Or you can't really work out with it either. So it's sort yeah. of, yeah, that's why. So it's the convenience, but, but I will, you know, but I, I need to have everything on vinyl. That's the thing. It's like, uh, I, I, I'm really into physical media now and I'm not half-assed about it. And again, when I got my turntable, I didn't think I would be this all in, but again, it's that gene at work that doesn't let me do anything half-assed. Is so, it the same as an addict? I'm sorry, Em, but I, no, it, no, no, is it the it's same the as an addictive <laughs> personality? No, because like if that were the case, I'd be an alcoholic. Right. You know, we'd all be alcoholics if that were the case. Right. You know, 
we know how to drink responsibly like adults. Like, you know, how many beers are you up to now, Don? 25,000? 26,472. See? Yeah. Yeah. That's not something I would call <laughs> half-ass. Like, even knowing that number offhand is not being half but you are not you are not an alcoholic. You don't have a drinking problem um, because, you know, I mean, you know, again, that's that in itself is if you have an addiction, which is an actual disease, it would be problematic. But because you don't, um, you could be hyper, hyper into uh, your beer nerdery without it ever becoming problematic. So I think it's different than an addictive personality. I think it's just right. a. It's more, I mean, I guess, I mean, it's not dissimilar, I guess, in some ways, but, um, you know, in the same way that I I know when to say when, when I drink, like if I see a record I really want on Discogs, that's super rare, but it's like $300. I'm not going to spend the $300 on it. Right. I know to kind of, I know the dividing line. So it's sort of like that. Because that's I mean, three hundred dollars you could spend on whiskey, right? I'm just kidding. Exactly. <laughs> I'm on one bottle. Yeah. I need to know when your vinyl and drinks book is going to come out. Well, there already is one. That's why I haven't done it. Um, oh, I mean, okay. I, I do have. There is a chapter in in imbibing for introverts where I go mm -hmm. into a little about pairing music uh, with spirits if you're drinking at home. And so I have that element in it, but there is a book out there that I wish I had written. I think it's called um, booze and vinyl or something. And it's basically uh, people coming up with cocktail recipes to pair with certain albums. Like for instance, you got, you know, the clash is London calling and then there's a cocktail to go along with that and that kind of thing. So, oh, okay. Yeah. No, I totally would be all over that, but I just don't yeah. know how, to kind of make it my own that I thought for like a minute, maybe I'll do one specific to like punk rock as opposed to just being all over the map. Um, mm. So that that's, that's doable. And, but well, give us a teaser on that. Then uh, give us give a, punk, a teaser. Well, give us a punk rock album and something we should drink with it. Oh God. Well, interestingly, <laughs> in, 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 well, in, well, in imbibing for introverts, I do, I don't do a specific band, but I do have a specific, I, I do as a genre what to pair with punk rock. And I basically just say a Boilermaker because yeah. it's like yeah, sure. a beer and a shot because punk is just no bullshit, no pretension, DIY, fuck you. This is what I'm drinking. You know, that's, I always thought that. So if I were to do a whole book on punk rock, I kind of have to go back to my entire thesis there where it's like, well, no, you can't actually have all these other things. with like, But okay, if I want to do a specific, <laughs> I will do, a, I will default to what I often default to is, um, you know, like regionality of a particular band. So like if we were to say, I don't know, called, say the Sex Pistols, um, I would probably just go with a gin and tonic for that because uh, they were from London mm -hmm. and, you know, have a London dry gin and tonic. I mean, that seems like an easy out, but you know, you, you look at, um, you know, for instance, take the, the Pogues, you know, very, very Irish band and, you know, have a, have a nice uh, bit of poutine or something in a poutine cocktail, mm -hmm. because I, I wouldn't necessarily think like, actual irish whiskey jameson it's more rough and tumble than that so you got to go with pachin 
Yeah. And if you want to do a Pachine, do sure do like a Pachine and uh Guinness Boilermaker. Yeah. See, this is well, and this goes back to one of my earlier questions that I love the way really once you get into uh nerddom, you can get into these esoteric elements of each thing and then pairings make sense like like everything you you said makes sense to me so um yeah because when, you, when you're talking about music it's less about flavor you know it's like right. obviously it's not like pairing with food you've got real considerations there but with with music you can have a lot more fun with it and as long as you can kind of justify it yeah um, yeah yeah like you say regionality or simplicity versus complexity and and intensity and things like that yeah, exactly. Um, you mentioned your latest book, uh, Imbibing for Introverts, uh, but you also uh, wrote a book called Drink Like a Geek, and that's actually yes. why we uh, invited you uh, on this uh, episode. So stop talking about that other book. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, uh, so Drink Like a Geek. Uh, what does it mean to drink like a geek? And mm. how do you research that? Um, it's more, yeah, it's basically... <laughs> it's really where I wanted that sort of convergence of geek geekery or call it pop culture geekery. Um, and, you know, drink geekery to kind of meet. That's sort of like the, the confluence of those two things. And really for me, it was about like any kind of number of ideas. For instance, some of it was very, very straightforward. Like, um, take breaking bad um you know one of you know walter white basically his last drink that he wanted to have when he was about to turn himself in um when he was in hiding in new hampshire um again i'm from spoiling the show i'm sorry we have had 10 years um <laughs> I, I agree with that it's been 10 years yeah, fine you should have watched it if not watch it again hey jeff yeah do you know who luke skywalker's father is i'm, just, I'm, just... I'm not allowed to, i'm not allowed to say sorry you know it's uh, you've had again it's been 43 years but i'll give you it to 45 years to figure it out <laughs> okay anyways um, i interrupted you sorry no i was just saying like the last thing he ordered at the bar was was dimple pinch you know a, a blended scotch so um so i would include that like little tidbits on that where things actually appeared in certain shows and then you know obviously you get things like star wars where they're not really drinking anything of this world so i really kind of look to people um who have mixed certain things with star wars in mind you know i i always kind of went back to this one bar called uh, tales and spirits in amsterdam and they had a menu of, you know, drinks that, that were inspired by films. And they did a whole Star Wars page of cocktails. And each one was sort of related to one of the three original movies of the original trilogy. So, like, they had one based on, um, you know, um, Return of the Jedi and... They kind of leaned more into the indoor side of things. So there was a lot of like greenery, you know, kind of piney stuff going on with it. Um, and then there was one, I think the Empire Strikes Back one, they really focused on the notion of rebellion a lot. And one of the things that they did is they they sort of 
paralleled, um, you know, the the Star Wars Rebellion with like the Jacobite Rebellion. And so they made it more kind of like scotch based and that kind of thing. So it was just, yeah. So they kind of went in that direction and they had a whole explanation on why, you know, some of them were were served in Darth Vader mugs. So they kind of, they really sell it that way. So it's like fun things like that, um, that make it neat. And then you, again, the obvious thing, Big Lebowski, there's the white Russian and there was a whole other part of it too. Um, I did like a really long section on James Bond and, you know, everyone thinks it's just the shaken and not stirred vodka martini that he drinks. But I, I basically rewatched every movie and went through and found everything that he drank in each of those movies that oh. wasn't a martini. And, you know, so and he's actually, it turns out he's very much like he kind of gets, you know, all, all the, the other, you know, problems with James Bond aside, like, you know, I make a note that some of them, obviously, like in some of the Sean Connery ones, he's downright rapey in some of them, and they don't really hold up very well. But, mm. um, but in terms of like him as a traveler, he drinks like I do. It's like a very kind of when in Rome notion to him. Like um, mm. he was drinking uh, in Turkey and and from Russia with love. He there was a scene where he's drinking Rocky. You know the basically their Uzo. Um, and there was like one moment in Live and Let Die where he's in New Orleans with Felix Leiter and Felix Leiter's drinking a, a Sazerac and Bond was going to order his usual martini, but then um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Felix goes you know, you're, you're in New Orleans, like live a little or something. I can't remember the exact line. So, so they has a Sazerac and then um, there's a whole thing with Brandy and a lot of the other ones and just, you know, kind of wherever he is, that's what he's treating. And obviously a really more recent one too was um, with Pierce Brosnan um, made like mojitos kind of popular again with people because he was in Cuba and, um, he really he pronounced mojito really weirdly too. Everybody kind of mocked him for it, it was like <laughs> mojito or something. And but so yeah, he's like you said he he there is a sense of place in these movies, and in a lot of ways they they try to um, kind of bring a little bit of the local drink there. Um, and even in, in Goldfinger, and I, I keep going back and forth. I'm going to stop now on James Bond, but Goldfinger, there was a uh, they were in Kentucky in one part of it, and they were drinking you know bourbon and branch water. Hmm. So, okay, cool. Yeah, so it's like a weird things like that. It's like things that appeared in things, and then other things yeah. that were inspired by them. Cocktails, yeah. and then you got obviously the beers uh, that were produced uh, in partnership. You know, obviously Star Trek had a long partnership for a while. They did it with Schmaltz, and they've been doing it with some other brewers. Yeah. So they had that whole line. Um, the Game of Thrones beers, and Game of oh. Thrones beers. Yeah, with Armageddon. Yeah. Gang. So that was that was huge for a while so it's like and again and they didn't just do it wasn't like when omegang was doing that they weren't just slapping a label on it and saying uh oh this is tied into game of thrones they they ingredients wise they tried to really tie it to a certain aspect of it like you know they would do something uh they would they would do like a like a darker beer um for the you know like the 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 guys on the wall what do you call them the night's watch you know they would have that where it'd be dark and warming because it's freezing up there and 
they wear black so things like that and they would do a blonde one to kind of tie in with the Lannisters so you know and then they did like a smokier one that had something to do with dragons so it's kind of um, it was kind of cool the way they did that it wasn't just like you know we have a license here let's just slap a label on it right right yeah yeah uh, thank you for your time, Jeff. Em, do you have any other questions? No, it's just really cool how I like the. It's just re, yeah, it's just really cool how you can really make pairings your own too, because you can look at so many things and say, oh wow, like this is I like you know this band and they're from this place. They're all drink this, or they're really loud, so I'm gonna pair it with like a really big beer, or you know, there's just so many ways that you can pair the things you love with with alcohol booze spirits you know beer yeah. it's just really cool yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and it's just the you know the explaining the why of it it makes it fun it makes it a conversation piece and again you don't have to have necessarily that kind of sommelier's palette to really do it when you're talking about music and movies it's more about kind of diving into all of the stories surrounding those things and, and building some great um jeff uh how can people follow you on social media and such and uh, uh maybe name your last couple books that people should be looking for and reading right yeah uh you can follow me i'm at jeff cialetti that's uh j-e-f-f-c-i-o-l-e-t-t-i uh same on twitter even though twitter's dying i would say stick to instagram <laughs> um and uh, the last couple of books, uh, the most recent one that came out in November was, is imbibing for introverts. Uh, and the one right before that was when we were just talking about drink like a geek, uh, get them wherever you buy books. And if you're in a sake, get sakepedia. That was the one that immediately preceded that one. Awesome. Cool. Thank you, Jeff. And may the fourth be with you. Oh, may the fourth be with you as well. Thanks so much. Em and Don. I really love talking to you and, uh, have fun. Cheers. 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 Bill Oakley is a former showrunner, co-executive producer, and head writer of The Simpsons, best known for writing the much-memed Steamed Ham segment. He has also written and produced Futurama, Disenchantment, Portlandia, and Close Enough, and has earned three Emmys and a Peabody Award for his work. His hobby is making funny Instagram food reviews at That Bill Oakley, which have earned him the moniker The Gordon Ramsay of Fast Food. In 2022, he founded the Steamed Ham Society, which is now a thriving worldwide online community for food discussion and discovery. The Steamed Hams Lager, made by Portland's Level Beer, is his first beer, and it was specifically designed to be the ideal beer to pair with hamburgers. Welcome to the show, Bill. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Uh, probably not excited as as excited as M and I are, but yes. uh, but thank you for saying that. Um, <laughs> So tell us about this collaboration you're doing with uh, Level Brewing. Okay, so Level Brewing is a small brewery in Portland, Oregon, which is where I live. And they called me up uh, about a year, more of even a year ago, and said, let's do a collaboration. And I was like, let's do it. I would love to. And we came, we had several meetings, and we came to the conclusion that what we wanted to do was the ideal beer to go with hamburgers. And this is an interesting thing because it, part of what the beer is called the steamed hams lager. Steamed hams, to most people who know the Simpsons, know that that's a euphemism for hamburgers. That's why it's called that. There's other reasons too, but I'll get into that later. 
So we like, I didn't like my, my beer drinking experience is such that I don't really like to have a lot of beers that are extremely heavy and weirdly flavored, like, you know, like blueberry muffin, you know, porter or whatever like that. I prefer to have beers that are, are lighter in scope that will go with my food rather than being a substitute for food. Um, so one, so we were, I was like, man, I would love to have a beer that would go great with hamburgers. And like, you know, traditionally when I have been drinking, having hamburgers, it's been a lot of stuff like PBR or Miller or whatever, which is not all that great to begin with. I would love to have a really carefully brewed beer that was thoughtfully designed to go great with a hamburger. And the guys were totally into this, the guys over at, at level beer. And we had a number of taste tests, series of taste tests where we drank different styles of beer with hamburgers and narrowed it down to what ultimately did, did become the steamed hams lager beer, which we're coming out with on Memorial Day. Uh -huh. um, That's per perfect time for it. Yes. It is. We, we actually, it was originally going to come out like around Christmas and we we're like, no, it's got to come out <laughs> in summer grilling season. You know, this is the beginning, the beginning of summer, what they call summer grilling season. And it's, you know, maybe it'll come out every summer from now on, who knows? But um, there's a lot more to it than that, obviously. And, and, but that is the, that's it in a nutshell. Okay. Well, um, I'm from Utica and I've never heard the expression steamed hams. <laughs> well, it's an so, Albany expression. Yeah, it's an Albany. Oh, okay. you know, in fact, even on the can, it says Albany style. Like oh, this whole thing, ah. this whole thing is loaded with stuff for Simpsons fans, especially fans of that thing, which I wrote. I mean, that's the yes. whole, that's part of this whole thing in the whole world of the steamed hams, which has become kind of my second well, I don't want to alert Disney to the existence of this because it's technically their IP, I would imagine. Now so where they don't listen to this. So that's no. Okay, good. Okay, good. Yeah, I don't think they have paid any attention to me at all. But yeah. I would say that it's probably technically their IP, the phrase steamed hams. And I'm sure that even if it's not, they'd find a way to make it theirs. Um, but since, right. but you know, I have had, it's my, that becomes sort of my second career is doing stuff in the food space, food and beverage space. And I often attach the phrase steamed hams to it because it indicates to people that it's a, that that it's going to have a simpsons angle probably right so uh, you know you wrote many episodes of the simpsons um but steamed hams seems to have infected the world <laughs> it, it was uh, it's super surprising yeah um, why why do you think well, it is i don't know i should say by the you know all the episodes of the uh, that i wrote of the simpsons except for steamed hams were actually written with my partner josh weinstein and we were writers there for seven years and we finally gradually rose to be head writers and showrunners for season seven and eight. We did an episode, and I think it was in season seven, uh, called 22 Short Films About Springfield, which was our chance to do little vignettes about characters other than the Simpson family. And I decided, because I'm a huge fan of Superintendent Chalmers and his relationship with Principal Skinner, to do an entire sketch, which was nothing but Skinner lying slightly to Chalmers, which is their standard interaction. And Chalmers, <laughs> I believe Chalmers generally drops it after a, all the previous times up to this. Chalmers drops it after he asks two questions and then he drops it, even though he know he realizes it's probably kind of a lie. This time I was like, well, what if he didn't drop it? What if he kept asking question after question after question, boxing Skinner into a, a preposterous corner? And that was basically that's what happened. And the reason um, that it's called Steam Tams is because for those of you who haven't seen the sketch, um, Principal Skinner comes over for lunch. I'm sorry. Superintendent Chalmers comes over for a lunch well, at for unforgettable luncheon an unforgettable luncheon <laughs> and uh, Skinner accidentally burns the roast that he was going to serve and decides to substitute fast food crusty burgers for his own cooking and then he gets boxed into calling them he, he, he had said they were having steamed clams 
but then he pretends he had actually said steamed hams. So a lot of it is this long thing about him pretending that hamburgers are called steamed hams in his neck of the woods, which happens to be Albany, even though he's also probably making up, making that up. <laughs> um, and, and so what happened with this thing was nothing. I heard nothing about it for 20 years. You know, it seemed like some people liked it, but it wasn't a big thing. And then around 26, 2015, it started to take off in this crazy way on the internet it began in australia oh where a whole bunch of people were calling this grocery store chain and asking for steamed hams and <laughs> the, the grocery store chain got in on the act because there's a lot of simpsons fans in australia as it turns out i, I wonder and why put up these signs that there's yeah that's a good question well especially yeah. they like that episode now okay anyways anyway. i i don't want to interrupt you keep going <laughs> they put up signs in their grocery store that said you know we don't sell steamed hams but please consider our ground beef or something like that and they made videos about it and then i think it just took on this weird life of its own where between 2016 and 2018 people started remixing their own versions of it. And I would, there were literally thousands on YouTube of people who have re-edited it in some way or re redone it in some way. And, and, but they're still coming out. It was actually internet meme of the year for 2018. Wow. And it was, uh, people are still, even to this day, a month ago, a guy made two absolutely brilliant remixes of it one of which is a german expressionist silent film from like the 20s another of which is a animated soviet film from like the late 60s both of which are the level of craftsmanship and artistry and they're just staggering anyway steam tams has now become one of those things like a phrase like dead parrot you know bonnie python friends right. would know the phrase dead parrot right from that sketch steam tams has become one of those things and i'm although i don't get any money for it <laughs> um i enjoy the fact that I wrote it and I'm, I'm pleased that it was something that I wrote that has caused this sensation, which continues to be somewhat of a sensation. Um, so as I have moved into the food and beverage world in the past five years, I have been using that phrase um, in various things I do. Um, I have the Steamy Awards, for instance, on my Instagram, um, and I have the Steamed Ham Society, which we'll talk about, and this Steamed Ham's Lager. Is, is is also part of that now again people one thing people always ask about this beer is does it taste like ham and i have to say emphatically no we didn't want a weird tasting beer <laughs> we wanted beer a, a a accompaniment that would not that would enhance your enjoyment of your hamburger and not intrude upon the taste of the hamburger right so it's just like a golden golden lager super easy to drink nice yes it's, it's beer it's, that tastes like beer kind of thing right it's kind of a a the the brewery describes it as a, a light lager meets Italian pilsner. Oh, okay. Um, oh, say, oh that sounds a, lovely. It's a dry beer with it. This is what they they have written about it. It's a dry beer with a decent bitterness and some mild hop aromatics. And we discovered it really worked well. I mean, it was unanimous. Every time we moved to the next stage of taste testing, it was generally unanimous which beer and which flavor went best with the hamburger. We tried it with a variety of different hamburgers. And it's an interesting experiment in, in I guess, brew mastering. Um, that it, that it came out so well. It's like I would love to have a whole bunch of this and just <laughs> eat it with my hamburgers all summer long. Yeah. Are you um, are you a beer geek as well? Would you say or not really? Um, I am. I, I I think I don't think I was until five or six years ago. I learned the difference between you know lager, pilsner, IPA, porter, all that stuff. So I don't really know that much about it. And I'm happy to have you guys fill me in. This is your obviously your field of expertise. Well, you live in Portland, though, so which is the land of beer. Yes, uh, that's what they say. I mean, like, I still have, um, 
I'm one of those people who likes to have more than one beer. And like, I remember still remember as a kid, those ads for Schaefer, that was like the one beer to have when you're having more than one. <laughs> and that's the kind of beer that I generally prefer to drink. So, and there are like, I mean, I would say of all the, there's two craft beers that are both la lagers, Pilsners. I realize Pilsner is a type of lager. Is that, am I correct about that? Yes. yes. Lager okay. is like, there's lagers and there's ales and Pilsner is a type of lager. Okay. Stick with us. We got you. <laughs> there is a, um, in Hood River, there's a brewery called Freem, P-F-R-E-I-M, yes. which makes a Pilsner, which is my favorite beer in the world. Yeah. That is oh. a very, I was just, I was just, so I was just in Portland six weeks ago and Freem, yeah, Freem is, if I could live near Freem, I would just never leave. <laughs> I love, I mean, I love their beer and I get it at every opportunity, although it's extremely expensive for, for beer. I mean, I mean, a lot of beer is expensive, but their beer is, is worth it. Obviously I don't see it that much in stores these days, but whenever it's on tap, I definitely get it. It's excellent. Yeah. Their lager program, all their beers are wonderful and they're good people. Really, really nice. Uh, their brewery in Hood River is beautiful. It's right on the Columbia River and the food is, ah, oh, yeah. Ah, oh, I love frame. Okay. Oh, I love <laughs> We're not talking about frame. Sorry. Go uh, visit. It's really nice. Oh. And then there's also another beer, which I would say probably ties for um, that is the uh, Mexican lager Calidad. Have you guys had that? No. Calidad? No. Yeah. It's um, it's made, it's, it was founded, it's a company that was founded in 2019. And I think it's brewed in Southern California. Um, and it's like, a, it's a Mexican lager. And that's the mm, other beer yeah. that I totally love. Oh. Um, it is, uh, it, and it's, it's kind of hard to find outside of Southern California, I think, or the Southwest. Anyway, you definitely should check that out too. Those are uh, my two. Hollydad is a uh, beer brand founded in 2019 by five-time MLB All Star Adrian Gonzalez. Oh wow! Look at that. Baseball ah. comes into it. <laughs> uh, baseball. If we're talking with me, baseball always comes into it. Wow, that's cool. We'll check it out. Thank you. See, yeah, you just I love taught that us. Beer. You just taught us something <laughs> about beer. So I appreciate that. Oh great. Okay. Well, that beer. I mean, I, I both of those two beers. I. I highly highly recommend other than that i don't know that much about other types of beer no oh, okay that's i mean level level makes excellent beer um, oh they sure I do yeah. yeah i went there and they have a don't they have a hamburger food truck like in their brewery or well they do at one of them at one of the locations they have um they have three locations they mm -hmm. have food trucks at, at all of them i think but there's one that's pretty near me which has a mid-city smash burger in yes, portland which yes. is a pretty uh, a very well regarded hamburger place and that's what we had for our final round of testing oh, with this cool. beer. Yeah. so you're going to go visit there and drink your beer and eat the hamburger and then hang out and then they have I arcade hope so. game arcade they do they have great there. arcade games their their places are so fun mm. it's a real yeah i went there with a good friend of mine lives around the corner from there and we went with his wife and a brewer friend of mine. And it's a really nice. They do really good um, British styles, too. It's just Portland's such a great like living in Portland. You should go check out some more. I bet you can find more beers. You'd, I'll email you some good choices. Oh, I do. I was I mean, I go I've been to a number of those. Um, I have been to a number of them and they are mm -hmm. all there. I can always find at least a couple of beers that I love. Yeah, uh, and I have been to several of them, but I'd love to see your your recommendations. I can do that for you. So um, but I want to hear more about the Steam Ham Society. Yes. Okay, so to be uh, to make the long story short, I became I got into the food and beverage type of thing about five years ago, and it's mainly because I've been an extremely opinionated person for decades about various types of things, um, you know, and, and also very interested in things like convenience food and frozen food and fast food and things like that, with a lot of opinions about like 
well, you know, what McDonald's did wrong with the Arch Deluxe in 1997, for instance, <laughs> or things of that nature. And so five, almost exactly five years ago, I started making short videos to put on Instagram and they have, they became very popular. Uh, uh, and to the extent that I now, you know, have uh, nearly 40,000 followers on Instagram and mm. 60,000 on Twitter. Um, and I'm often invited to do stuff like, uh, you know, I joined a, a big, uh, a team of people founding the best burgers in Portland for Portland Monthly Magazine. I appear regularly on the Food That Built America on the History Channel, talking about the history of various brands of food, and and I write articles from everything from Car and Driver to New York Magazine about <laughs> fast food and things like that. Um, I also uh, have this annual Steamy Awards, which I mentioned, which are every year on my Instagram, basically an award show for the best and worst in the food I've had over the years. Um, and then recently, just about a year ago, I started the Steamed Ham Society, which is a club for people interested in this type of thing. And it has taken off. Um, if you go to steamedhamsociety.com, um, you can join up. And what it is, is it's a club for people who are, I don't like to use the word foodies because I think it's rather, <laughs> it's kind of degrading and embarrassing, but people who are interested in talking about food and drinks and like, hey, I had this incredible Nashville hot chicken sandwich when I was driving through Tennessee, you got, you should check this out. Or here's a recipe I tried for making sous vide um, pork chops or whatever, or, or, you know, hey, I went to try the new thing at McDonald's and it was terrible. That's the kind of thing that the Steamham Society is for. Okay. And we have a discord, which is filled with lots of people talking about food and drinks and recipes and uh, cooking techniques and other things 24 seven. We have monthly live streams uh, about food and about Simpsons stuff. We have merchandise. We have um, all sorts of, there's even, there's at the higher levels, we have a snack curated snack boxes sent to you by me. And even there's a level, a really high level for people who want me to give them feedback on their writing because that's very time consuming and I charge for it now. But in any case, the Steam Ham Society is your one-stop place for this type of thing. Um, if you are interested in talking, like we, by the way, we always have the first information. There's a couple, there's several really dedicated members who are like, if you want to know what's happening in the world of, you know, mass market food, frozen food, whatever, this, our Discord is the place to find out. Anyway, you can join up. Anywhere from $5 a month to $1,000 a month, depending on your budget and your level of commitment. And it's extremely fun. Um, and it is something that I that I hope to do more of. And this beer is connected to that because it's the same logo. Although um, there's not a, the, the club is not mentioned on the can of beer. It is the same logo that we have for the club. And all the brewer, all the bars and restaurants that order the kegs of this beer are going to get these um, special custom made coasters with the club logo and, and the website on it. Oh, cool. That's I awesome. want one of those coasters. I, that sounds awesome. Yeah. I always wish I lived in Portland and now like I, I also wish I always wish. Yeah. I also, <laughs> well, let me say I, this I, is not yeah. just for Portland, although oh, we have oh, hundreds yeah. of members all over the world mm -hmm. and they're all, although a lot of them are in Portland because sometimes we do special food. We do secret, secret menu items in Portland. We have members all over the world. We have some in the Ukraine. We have them in Japan, a lot in Brooklyn, a lot in Chicago, um, South Carolina, um, Detroit and so forth. So it's like, it's the club is not a Portland centric club, although there is a one special chat channel for Portland stuff. Yes. Okay. Awesome. So join up. I'll see you there. <laughs> okay. I hope. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, obviously this, there's this level, uh, steamed hams beer. Are you working on any other beer collaborations? Well, I will say since 
I have, since I started doing this, I have had discussions with a couple other places about doing some more beers, but I, I'm not going to do that until this is already, we've, we've firmly established Steamed Hams Lager. But okay. I will say we are doing Steamed Hams Lager with a number of other brewery partners around the country because I'm sure you guys all know, everybody who listens to this podcast knows about the arcane liquor laws in this country mm -hmm. and the way that they're all manipulated apparently by in state legislatures by Anheuser-Busch and Coors, whatever. They like... We can only sell this beer in a couple states. Yep. Right. So this beer yeah. is going to be for sale. Levels version of this beer is only going to be for sale in Oregon and Washington and also um, Colorado and D.C., I believe. Uh, yeah, um, D.C. has no distribution laws. So you can sell any, you can sell anything in D.C. It's the Wild West. I hope that we can get some sold in D.C. Um, but we're also collaborating with brewers around the country. And we already have one um, I can't, I don't think I can say who they are, but we have a pretty substantial brewer in the Midwest and we have, we're already talking to other ones in the South and in like the South in California about, you know, we share the recipe with them and all they have to do mm -hmm. is just credit the beer recipe to level beer and they can use the logo. They can make cans or kegs or whatever they want. So hopefully this will ultimately be available in the midsummer in a couple dozen states. Awesome. That's, yeah, that's that's how clever. I mean, collaborations in the in the beer world's very chill, um, as I'm sure you've started. Yeah, to learn. I've learned like that. Every, it's nice. Yeah, we're yeah we're not in. You know, there are how many breweries are there in Portland, and no one's like you know slashing tires and right, stealing right. recipes. Like it's really really a, a very friendly society that we have. So I'm very excited that your beer can be brewed, hopefully in New England, where I'm from. And live. Yes. So that would I'll uh, I'll make some phone calls for you. I'll see if, if you could actually. It, it, you're 100% authorized to do that if you want. It's very simple for us. And the process of us sharing the recipe with other brewers and, and designs are, is very simple. And we don't yet have one signed up in New England. I got you. So we'll, I'll, uh, Fantastic. yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, that would be, I would love to drink that beer. And as a Simpsons super fan, uh, I will, my, uh, my, my wedding cake was uh, a complete recreation of to a whale of a wife. Oh my um, God. <laughs> yes, that is, uh, yep. Um, which is actually, it's a very sad because they're like in that rest stop. But anyway, yeah. Yeah, right. Um, the but that was, goes by. Yeah. The, you think the truck's full of jeans? Um, yeah. so yeah, as a super fan, I will help you in that regard. Fantastic. Well, it's a good thing. I can't believe I haven't been on this podcast before since you're I, a super fan. You guys should have me on every week. Yeah. Well, uh, sure. Uh, you yeah, are we could do that. We could do that. We could <laughs> do a, Don, a little, we could take, we could take Bill out in Portland. Yep. And we could take them to all the really, there's some just, the, the beer scene in the Pacific Northwest is so strong. Oh, yeah. um, and we can teach you all about, all about the beer scene there and whatnot. Um, I have, I guess, one of my um, questions is, I'm sure you see a lot of people using Simpsons, like iconography as like homage, especially like, you know, steam tams and whatnot. Is that, you, I mean, you don't own it, but like, are you cool with that? Is that exciting that you see people get so jazzed about what you did? I mean, I'm sure the answer is yes, but. It. It is to a certain extent. I mean, I like the thing about it is it's not my job to police that stuff. It's Disney's sure. job <laughs> and and Fox's job. And they have been they 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 do it. They've been pretty cool about it. I mean, uncharacteristically cool for those big evil companies in that they don't like there's lots of people on Redbubble and and, and Etsy selling Simpsons, their homemade Simpsons stuff, which who don't get in trouble. And, but I only imagine that when people start manufacturing on a grand scale, yeah. You know, yeah. um, then then they're going to send their lawyers. Uh, fortunately, they haven't sent the lawyers after me yet. 
hopefully they won't for this beer. But I'd say it is like generally if as long as I'm credited, I'm thrilled with it. Like once I don't like it when people use steamed hams to make money mm. and they don't at least put my name somewhere on it. Um, and I did go after GameSpot when they had they had Jeff Goldblum read the whole script of steamed hams, literally reading word for word a script I wrote. And, and, you know, for, for like this web video that was designed to make money without even giving me the slightest bit of credit anywhere. And so I did complain about that and they took it down. But like in general, I'm thrilled with it, especially if I get credit. I mean, if it's a money making oper operation, then you're on your own. But yeah. um, as long as you give me credit, I won't be the one to <laughs> to pull the alarm. No, I'm the same. I'm also an artist. And anytime someone uses anything that like they cut the copyright off or they don't say who did it. I'm always I go after everybody because you're yeah, you're you're a creative and yeah. then creatives need to stick together and make sure that, you know, you you did that. You know, I right. need credit. We're not going to get any money for it. The least you can yeah. get is the, is the credit. It takes two seconds. To, I don't know yeah. why, for instance, GameSpot was so reluctant to add my name to the stupid, you know, caption yeah. of the YouTube video like it, it, I that would have been perfectly satisfactory. It wouldn't have cost them a cent. It would have taken mm -hmm. five seconds, but yet they wouldn't do it. It's <laughs> very strange. Hmm. That is very strange. Well, um, Bill, uh, how can people find you on social media and then also the Steamed Ham Society as well? Um, on social media, I am that Bill Oakley, and that's O-A-K-L-E-Y on both Instagram and Twitter. But I don't know how much longer I'm going to be on Twitter. So follow me on Instagram. That's where the food stuff is. Anyway, Steamed Ham Society. Following you right now. Fantastic. Go to steamedhamssociety.com and sign up at whatever level you're comfortable with. Um, and, and enjoy it, you know, like and get on the freaking discord because that's like, it's an avalanche of exciting <laughs> food, food and beverage news all day long. Um, and we have these, as I said, there's a special level just for Simpsons fans where we have a whole, we have a special private Simpsons chat channel and we have live streams with luminaries from the Simpsons over the years. We have had a lot of the biggest names in the history of the show on our special steamed ham society, Simpsons live streams. Oh, cool. that's awesome. oh yeah i have one more question so oh. you're you're a food guy now i just want to ask one more thing what's the best thing you've eaten recently oh my god i can't I, hundreds of things it's so you saw my stuff i know you went on the video was briefly on you saw some of the stuff i let me just tell you a couple things that were amazing um you know i would say about once a week i find something that is absolutely spectacular and i think one of the things that we're going to do in the same time society is released like an, you know they have oprah has that year-end list of like her tw 10 favorite things or whatever mm -hmm. i think we're going to do that for the steam Ham society because there's so many small makers of delicious you know uh artisan mustard and things like that that nobody has ever heard of that needs some press but i will tell you um recently in portland i had an at, at one of those breweries at ruse brewery i had their mm -hmm. detroit pizza their four cheese detroit pizza which is a collaboration with the cross collective best detroit pizza i've ever eaten their beers um, are excellent too yeah and i i had i had their colch which i love mm. um i have had and then i've had a couple other things that are like um a, a guy brought want me these pickles from um, kentucky called habagardiel pickles which were absolutely amazing they go great on chicken sandwiches as he said i've been eating them non-stop um Somebody sent me maple syrup that was made in a B and B in in Montreal, which was the best thing I've ever eaten in any maple any kind of breakfast type thing. And then lastly, somebody told me about this ketchup, all gold all gold tomato sauce ketchup, 
which apparently is made in South Africa. And yes, I just, I, we just came back from South Africa. That stuff's so yeah, good. Yes. It's incredible. <laughs> I'm so glad that, I've, that people think I'm crazy talking about this, even on the Steam Ham Society. Nobody's ever heard of it and nobody's ever tried it, but I've been eating it. I could eat it with a spoon. <laughs> I love good. it so much. It's really, really good. Yeah, that was the ketchup choice at the. I just judged a beer competition in South Africa, and they had a they had a burger bar one day for lunch, and they had that ketchup, and it was really nice. Man, I can't quite figure out what it is that makes it so good. There must be some really combination, really carefully selected combination of subtle spicing, and it's a little bit more like tomato, almost tomato sauce or tomato paste. Yeah, it's 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 yeah, it's but but I really really enjoyed it. I thought it went okay, really good. well. I'm glad. Thank yeah. you for validating my my crazy <laughs> my seemingly crazy opinion. You're no, you're very That's very awesome. welcome. Um, Bill, I want to thank you uh, very much, and uh, I hope someday we can meet in person so that we can uh, play a round of knivesy spoony. <laughs> I see you've played Knifey Spoonie before. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I would say to you. Um, yes, that is that would be great. Um, I'm in Portland. Uh, come visit. We'll hang out and have some beer. Awesome. What's up, that? Thank great. you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers. M, um, I think we, should, we deserve uh, to pat ourselves on the back for restraining ourselves and not doing the entire episode in Simpsons quotes. I know. I really wanted to yell Seymour. Seymour, the house is... <laughs> No mother. It's no just mother. It's just the northern. <laughs> That's my favorite. I love how he lies so much and he can't bring himself to tell the truth that he burns his house down. That's the craziest <laughs> part about that. And I really, because he did write 22 short or short episodes, I really wanted to talk about the really tall man. Oh, yeah, in the little car. Yeah. Do you find something comical about my appearance while driving my automobile? Everybody needs to drive a car, even the really tall. Like, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> the, the 12 year old to 14 the, actually the 40 year old in me the regular age i am to all the way i mean i'm a like i said I mean, my wedding cake was to a whale of a wife um we are right. i mean it, we are our our wedding ended with our piano we had a piano player from a, a cruise ship actually it was a good friend of my husband's play our wedding and he did all the music and he ended the wedding by playing the greasy films song you know, oh yeah, yeah, da, 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 da. and that's how everyone knows how the wedding was over. And then did everybody do a shush? I think there was, sh yeah, and then it was da, 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 da. like it, the <laughs> wedding ended with. I mean, that was it's part, it's a huge part of my family's life is is The Simpsons. So <laughs> getting to talk to Bill Oakley was like, I'm really proud that we, I, and I know it's important to you too. So I'm really proud that we kept it together. So and also oh. our other, you know, like talking to Jeff about music, you know, every, and Audra and Jonathan about Star Wars, I mean, and other things yes. of nostalgia. I mean, there's, uh, you can be a, a nerd or a geek about pretty much anything. Yes. It doesn't food. have to be pop culture. Food. Fast food, yeah. You yeah. know, yeah. And the Steam Ham Society, Bill's thing with, you know, like. I love that, that he made a society. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I'm joining. And like the all gold ketchup, that stuff's great. Like it's, it's cool how everyone has passions about, so many different things you know and ours also is like we you know you and i and a lot of people who listen to this podcast have a passion for beer yes um, that yeah. transcends you know anything i mean i beer is my life and i mean i know it's part of your life and a lot of people who listen to this podcast and it's it's to a nerdy extent and so it's cool to how like almost all of our things in our lives can be nerdy yeah and, and that's and, and that's okay 
Yeah. Um, I do want to say though, uh, my cat's breath smells like cat food. <laughs> I bent my Wookiee. <laughs> okay, everybody, visit allaboutbeer.com and follow us on social media at allaboutbeer. Uh, and if you're feeling generous, please visit patreon.com slash allaboutbeer to support this show and others. If you have questions for the experts, please email us at podcast at allaboutbeer.com. That's also the email for feedback, suggestions, or to inquire about supporting this show through advertising. Speaking of advertising, here's a short word from our sponsors. All About Beer is back, and we're asking for your support to help provide the independent beer media this rich and colorful industry deserves. Visit our website, allaboutbeer.com, where we're frequently posting new content. And please consider throwing us a few bucks at patreon.com slash allaboutbeer. We have low-cost memberships for individuals and small and large companies alike. Every dollar goes to help produce new articles and podcasts. Estrella Galicia is an independent family-owned brewery in Northwest Spain, founded in 1906. Estrella Galicia Cerveza Especial is a world-class lager, brewed using the finest Spanish malts, locally cultivated Galician hops, and the best brewing practices made out of the state-of-the-art facility in Acruña. Recognized around the world for quality and exceptional character, Estrella Galicia is a beer like no other. To learn more about Estrella Galicia, follow them at Estrella Galicia USA on Instagram. Before you go, if you like this podcast, one easy thing you can do to help us is to give us a five-star review on your favorite podcasting app. This helps other people find the show. We would also appreciate it if you would let other beer-loving friends and Simpson-loving friends and Star Wars-loving friends know about the show to help us spread the gospel of good beer. M, how can people reach out to you? You can find me at Pints and Panels across all social media uh, and www.pintsandpanels.com. What about you, Don? Uh, I am at the Dawn of Beer on Twitter and Instagram, and people can drop me an email at dawn at thedawnofbeer.com. This show is produced by All About Beer. Visit allaboutbeer.com for articles, notes on this show and others, and to connect via the newsletter and social media. Cheers. Cheers. Smell you later. Mm-hmm. <laughs>